This is HPR episode 1683 entitled Theater of the Imagination, part 6 and is part of the series Interviews. It is hosted by Lost Bronx and is about 46 minutes long. The summary is, Lost Bronx interviews Julie Hoverson, a modern audio drama enthusiast. This episode of HBR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello, this is Lost in Bronx, and you're listening to Theater of the Imagination, Part 6. This is my series on dramatic audio media, old and new, including audio drama, audio books, and anything else I can think of. Today's installment is a bit different from previous ones in that I've had the pleasure and privilege to interview one Julie Hoverson. Julie is a living legend of the modern enthusiast audio drama movement. Now, she's a regular pistol at all times, but for this talk, I had an agenda in mind. Specifically, a question. Why is it so darned hard to make a living in audio drama today? The arts are always difficult, but audio drama seems nearly impossible, at least in the United States. This has been mysterious to me for some time now, so I decided to pick the brain of someone smarter and far more experienced than myself, and only one name came to mind. Now, our language is a little, uh, free here, so be warned. Talented, busy, and a true veteran of a thousand psychic wars, often against otherworldly horrors beyond the ken of humankind— I'm proud to present this humble chat with the one and only Julie Hoverson. You've done so much dramatic audio work of various kinds over so many years. It might be best to start at the beginning. What got you into voice work of any kind or all kinds to begin with? Well, I've always been an actor. I mean, ever since, I mean, when I was a child, I just never grew out of make-believe. And... (laughs) I, I read books to friends, to my younger siblings, everything. So I've always done voices. But also, I spent many years doing tabletop role-playing games where I was the game master. And so I had to play all the characters that everybody came across. Uh-huh. And so I developed piles and piles of voices for every game we played. What was kind of the trigger to actually start recording, you know, like getting involved? Did you start off making your own stuff or did you start off working in other people's shows? I was actually with American Radio Theater, which is a local group of OTR, old-time radio fans, who did recreations of shows, particularly of shows where the script was existing, but the show itself was not. Okay. And um, the problem that I had there was, unfortunately, there's just really not a lot of good roles for females. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I got little quirky parts, but I didn't get anything particularly interesting, so I started writing my own. Then... Uh, a friend, actually, my friend Renaud, who has been in a million of my episodes, um, he got cast in somebody else's podcast audio drama, and they were still looking for a female lead, so he took me into audition. I got it, and um, 
while we were while we were recording that one day, one of the other actors is like, "This is fun. We should do more of this." And I'm like, "I've got scripts because <laughs> I've been writing my own scripts, but you know, hoping to do them with our ART because we occasionally did new modern stuff, but not very often." Okay. At first, I was recording at their studio, their, their basement, you know. Yeah, yeah. Patton. And uh, then I started just doing satellite recording, which is taking recordings from various places. As I developed more technique and was able to mesh voices better, mm-hmm. I started recording things separately and putting them together. Um, though you've switched gears a little bit lately, which we'll get into in just a bit. Could you describe to people the general procedure you were following in order to produce your many projects when you were running at your peak? I mean, the sheer volume of work you were doing at that time was staggering to most of us who ever heard you talk about it on your audio blog or in other interviews. What were you going through on a daily basis? This is going back now, what, about two years? Something like that. Yeah. Well, what I was, usually what I had is I had my next six or eight episodes planned out. I already had the scripts written. So I'd be casting so that by the time, you know, I got even close to getting to, you know, the episode six them down the road, all the voices would be in. So I didn't have to deal quite as much the way some people have to with uh, the, the lack of voices getting in on time. You know, I mean, I'd make sure that two episodes ahead, I had all the voices and I'd clean them and set them aside while I was doing other stuff. And I'd be listening to music on my desk at work, you know, because you do, and, you know, picking out music for shows and setting it aside into folders for the next six shows, you know, all those sorts of things that you just do constantly. But you were doing this all the time without fail. I mean, you were, yeah, you were, you were like almost 80 episodes without, you were like me. a machine. It was like, astonishing. It really was astonishing. I was convinced you know, there was no such thing as Julie Hoverson. There was, in fact, a team, and they all took that <laughs> nom de plume, right? They were all Julie Hoverson, and there was this crew of people all working. And they just had one person who, you know, whenever you heard her speak, that was that was portraying Julie Hoverson. But in point of fact, like there was no such person, right? And um, because it was – I mean, it was just amazing. It was just amazing the amount of labor you were doing. And that was on top of a day job. Yeah. Now, all of that work that you just described, (laughs) so everyone knows, this was unpaid, right? You weren't getting money out of it. No one else was getting any money out of it. Nope. I got occasional donations. If I was lucky, I'd get enough donations to pay for about a third of the cost of of my actual website. And that, you know, everything else came out of my pocket. Wow. You know, I had to pay for some things, and I had to flyers and stuff. I mean, a podcast is virtually free to put out, depending on how you do it. But, I mean, you have to have hosting, and you have to have this and that. And and I had a lot of really great help volunteering from um, some of the the artwork for the covers, particularly Brett Coolstock, who did dozens of covers for me, I think, because he was a fan, and he just loved the show. And, uh, and of course, you know, it helps a lot once you know where to find music. And Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com is the god of internet music. He, he should be sainted. Someone should put up a marble <laughs> statue of that guy, and we should all go and leave laurel leaves. And, oh, it's just, the guy's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And he's just really nice, too. I've, I've emailed him a few times. I mean, he's been much more busy recently than when I first started. 
But I mean, emailing back and forth, he's always been so nice. It's just awesome. So yeah, I mean, there's 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 resources to make it easy to do free, but there's always things that you have to buy. Yeah. yeah. And but anyway, yeah, no, it was it was totally out of my own pocket, out of my own head all the time. So that was essentially a full-time job or more, like a full-time job with tons of overtime on top of your full-time job. Yeah, basically. So, okay, we're pinning that to the wall. We're not putting that one away. We're remembering that you said that, okay? Next question here, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Lately, you've been doing a lot of audiobook narration for other people. That is to say, you're recording audiobooks. Yes. Um... I think I counted something like 13 titles on audible.com that have your credit as the narrator. Is that right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now this was paid work, yes? It's royalty work, which means it could be paid. <laughs> if, the, if the book sells. Yes, it, it's paid when the book sells. Now, several of those have sold very, very well. Okay. Those are only the books under my name. I do a lot of stuff under a pseudonym. Because it because the stuff I do under my pseudonym range from werewolf romance erotica to just plain smut. <laughs> now, some of it is still very good. Don't get me wrong. It's just it's a different category, and you know the people who know me from Nineteen Nocturne probably don't want to know that. Okay. How are the royalties on that stuff? Is that is it pr- the, pretty much the same? Some of it's good and some of it's not. <laughs> It is. It's hit or miss. Some things are just stunning when they actually sell. You're like, really? That one is my bestseller? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, who'd have thunk it? Yeah. But, but the thing is, it's the, the, the really, the, oddly enough, the nice thing about the erotica market is that it's the one place where super short stories sell. Oh. So okay. my return on investment of time can, can be much higher because if i put three hours into doing a half hour story crank it out throw it up if it makes five dollars each month for a year i'm well paid oh yeah 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 you know so it's it's an odd thing because it's it's shorts uh, (laughs) in every other genre people are like oh don't do short stories short stories don't sell but this is the exception Mm -hmm. have you ever have you written your own novel or novels and if so, do you intend to record them? Not novels necessarily right away, but I do actually, I did actually, my pseudonym had a short story in a collection recently. Oh, okay. And yeah, I actually got paid for the short story. Very that cool. And you, you narrated your, your own... Uh... No, this was, a, this was a Kindle collection. Okay. And okay. I don't know that it's going to be done for audio yet. I, de- I haven't heard anything about that. Okay. Um, but... As, and, and it's actually been getting really good reviews. The whole collection has. Um, but I'm but I'm going to be putting out some of that soon. Um, I feel like the, shall we call it, the modern enthusiast level audio drama scene, which you were, you know, have been a big part of and which I've participated in to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's changed in the last maybe two years or so. Is that just me? Um. I don't know. I would be more inclined to think it goes in waves and we just happen to be on a wave, but I, you know, I could be wrong. But the problem with it is, is it is a hobby. I mean, and, and it, people who get into it thinking they're going to make money always appear to a couple episodes. They're awesome. And then they're like, Hey, when can I start charging for this? And we all laugh at them and then they leave. 
Also, though, everyone discovers that they don't have time enough eventually. And that's just the way it is with hobbies in general. Yeah. So everything, there's a, there's a shift, a tectonic shift in the personnel every once in a while. You know, or if it's me, it's like, I just had to get away from it for a while because I was getting, I was turning into a chore. Yeah, yeah. And that's the unfortunate part is people are like, well, when are you going to come back and do more? I'm like, when I feel like it. Yeah. You know, and if you're belligerent about it, I won't feel like it. <laughs> you know, because when it turns into a chore and I'm not getting paid for it, then why am I doing it? Well, exactly. Okay, exactly. That is the heart of basically all of my questions. You know, I'm kind of dancing around the subject with a lot of these, but that is the heart of the question. Let me ask you this. If there was a paid or quote-unquote professional group um, or a company of players in your area looking for actors, voice actors specifically, would you be interested in joining them or at least looking into joining them, seeing all the details and the scheduling oh, yeah. and the pay and all of that? Okay. I thought so. You know, I thought so. Yeah, Most no. of us would. Most of us would. Okay. If there were such companies elsewhere, it would probably be safe to call it an industry, right? Even if it was a small one. You know, at one time... Radio, radio drama, that was an industry. In the United States, it isn't anymore, okay? Um, elsewhere, That's the UK. In Germany. Yeah, yeah, and the Philippines, and there are there are places, but, you know, this is where I live, so this is where I'm interested in looking into. Um, do you think if even a small industry existed right now, either still existed or, or, or started to grow, that it could attract good people to it? Like the kind of people you're talking about before, people that get into it and look around and say, you know, and maybe produce some dynamite content, right? And look into it and say, how do I make money on it? Do you think if there was a way to do it that they would stay? You know, I mean, even if they weren't getting rich. It's possible. The, the problem is that the, the, the hugest difference between an audio drama and an audio book on that level is the fact that an audiobook is me talking into a mic. There's an author and there's me. And there's, of course, Amazon who takes the lion's share. Mm -hmm. um, but for an audio drama, there's the producer and there's the writer and there's the actors and there's the music and there's the sound effects and there's the, and it's a huge accounting hassle. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, even if you're making money for the episode, you know, you have to have everything in place to pay everybody their fraction of that or pay them an upfront fee. It's like, you know, I mean, sometimes it works on a stipend. It's like all the actors get $10, mm -hmm. you know, or something. Well, it's a, it, at that level, it's a business. It's an actual business, and you have employees or people who need regular payment, and you have to account for all that. You have to pay taxes. You have to do all of that stuff. Okay? Yeah, see, that's one reason I always said I never wanted to do audio drama for money because that may that would mean i would also have to be the accountant so let me ask you this this is kind of a follow-up if back in 19 nocturne when it was in full swing if you were making a couple of grand a month back from 19 nocturne not from another source but directly back from the work that you're doing okay imagine that okay it was up on itunes or whatever and that was that money was coming in do you think you would still be doing it Probably. But uh, it would also have affected a lot of the choices I made. Oh, of course. Of course. Do you think the show would be better or worse? Um, 
I don't know that it would be better or worse. It would have been different if I was actually pocketing a couple thousand after paying all the actors and everything else. Mm -hmm. But at least with audiobooks, I don't have to deal with any of those extraneous. It's just so much faster to get done. Okay, going back to audio drama. Do you know of any groups or companies of players in this country doing paid audio drama on a regular basis? Well, there's right up in my area, there's a group called Jim French, and they've been around forever. Okay. And they are actually on the radio still. Okay. But they have like this long standing audience for. I mean, I'm assuming they're still around. They were still around last time I checked. I haven't been following anything for a couple of years. Um, but they had a long standing Sherlock Holmes series, and a Harry Nile was theirs. And um, they're absolutely professional. I mean, they are you know, SAG after everything. You okay, know. okay. But yeah, they have been doing this for a long, long time. I've heard of others that are in, like, the regional. They're like, you know, they are they may be extremely well-known in their area, but outside of that area, they don't seem to break into a larger audience. Or am I wrong? I think you're right. I mean, because I'm not sure if, like, Chatterbox has charged for some of their productions or something. There's a number of groups that have tried to and have not seemed to pull it off. Or who have tried to offer like a premium thing, like we'll put it out at, you know, this lower baud rate, and if you want it at a higher rate, you can buy the CD and then mm-hmm. it's the CD. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, people just want to listen; they don't always really care about hi-fi or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're looking for a story. Yeah, um, but I think also, well, I mean, Blackjack Justice and the Red Panda—they're actually out of Canada. Yeah, yeah. But, I think they have more of an enthusiastic customer base that contributes rather than they're actually charging. Yeah, I know. Well, the the shows themselves are free for download. Yeah. Um, but there's a tr- they also have merchandising surrounding Dakota that, Theater yeah. as well. Um, you know, they uh, they produced novels related to their stories and their characters. They've, uh, you know, of course, they have the usual T-shirts and all of that stuff. And I think. I think a lot of that actually pays for them. I think a lot of that um, goes a long way towards paying the bills. You know, whether or not the actors are getting anything out of it, I don't know. But um, well, it's been running for so long. I mean, and that's that's a big part of it. Is you know, nobody makes money right off the bat because nobody believes you're going to be here again next week. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many shows have you seen that? It's like, oh, that looks really good. When's the next episode coming out? Never. Yeah, you never get anything anything more out of them. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's probably the norm. I would even go so far as to say that's normal, and the exceptions are the ones that, that stay around. But, uh, yeah, back to paid groups, the only other thing I can think of would be something like Big Finish, but that's out of England. Yeah. Wireless Theatre Company is out of the UK as well, and they're paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a subscription service. That's how they, that's how they go about it. So you subs- they have different plans... But you subscribe to, you know, for maybe for I, I forget exactly what they are, but I, you know, I I did a year myself because I really like their content. But um, you could do it for a couple of months or things like that, and then you have unlimited downloads during that time period. They have another plan where it's like limited downloads. It's kind of complex. I would, if I was yeah. doing it personally, it'd simplify. But they, you know, it seems to be working. They just had a major overhaul of their website recently, and that. You know, that's not free generally, so yeah. they, they have to be doing something with, you know, something really well. 
they do produce really good stuff. And I'm there's also I'm apparently very thriving audio drama in Germany. I know this is weird to bring up, but I'm segueing into something just for a second. Okay. So for three years in a row, I've had fine. I've had um, episodes of my show be finalists at the Hochschule Summer Leipzig in Germany, which is an audio festival, an open air audio festival in July, and they have an outside amateur drama, amateur audio drama contest. This last year, my episode at the Sound of the Beep, which is excruciatingly dark if you've listened to it, was there, and it was the only English one. <laughs> It was the only English one to make the finals this year. Now, did you submit it, or was it submitted by other people? How did that work? I submit. You, you submit your own work to this contest. Okay. And fully available at 19nocturneboulevard.com. So, or 19nocturne.com. It's 19 com, but... Sadly, the site wasn't updated since that episode came out, so it's not actually there. It's in the RSS feed, though, It's right? in the RSS yeah. feed. Yes, okay. the RSS feed is uh, 19nocturne.libsyn.com. Okay. If you go there and search for Beep, I'm sure it will come up. Yeah, they, unfortunately, because I'm also the webmaster and I hate doing it, mm-hmm. and it's on an old laptop that I actually have to power up and then remember how to use. Oh, I I fully understand. I had to build my own site. It's a pain in the ass. It's horrible. It's yeah, just, it's just horrible. I can learn how to do a website, but I don't want to. I've got other stuff to do. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem. There was nobody else to do it, so I had to yeah, do it. Exactly. And, you know, that... It's like, when are you going to update the website? I'm like, I don't know. When do you not want to have an episode? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that comes back to being, when it's your baby, you're the only one there. And you're not getting paid, so you can't even hire somebody else to do it for you. Yeah, exactly. And people will volunteer, but I'm like so leery yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, you get. Hey, you really you do the website. I'm like, yeah. sure you will. You get burned. You get burned, and you you get very very reticent to to yes. trust people like that. Oh, and absolutely. with good reason. With good reason. I've been there. But it's not, and it's not even because they're they're being mean or anything. It's just good intentions that run out. Well, of course. That's the worst part they of it. Because have the dedication then you can't, you know, you, 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 you want to scream at them. Why isn't, you know, why haven't you gotten to, you know, why haven't you helped me like you said you were going to do? Why didn't you do this thing? And they're like, oh, I got diagnosed with cancer and my, you know, my dog died. And, this, and they have all these terrible things yeah. that are happening in their lives and you can't even scream at them, right? Because they were a volunteer in the first place. Because they were a volunteer in the first place. They were doing you a favor to begin with. But it turns out that their big favor wasn't much of a favor as it uh, it be. And it happens. It happens all the time with volunteer work. It's it's worked out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, the the upside of doing audiobook is, you know, it's one voice, you know, even though it's many voices. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, One voice, no sound effects, no music, no nothing. It's easy to do, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But if you screw up, you got no sound effects, no music, no nothing to cover it up. <laughs> well, the onus is on you as an actor at that stage, but well, it's also on you as an editor because with the way I, with through ACX, you're your own producer. Okay. And so, I mean, I have two short stories that I have to re-record because I can hear too much noise in them. Mm-hmm. I have a tendency to be a little overconfident, and I, in fact. And behind right now because I have so many contracts. I took on a lot of them when this contract change went into play, and then I got behind. Okay. And then I started paying editors to help me, 
and was just starting to maybe see light again when I got laid off two weeks ago. So it's like, yay, now I can't afford editors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now I have to edit, which I don't want to do anymore. And that's laid <laughs> off from your day job, right? Just to clarify yeah. that for other people. So, um, That means I have more time, but at the same time, you know, I have to, you know. You have to budget closer and you have to look at the things that you can afford to do as opposed to afford to farm out to someone else. So. Exactly. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a cost-benefit analysis, really, because it is a business expense. Mm-hmm. And it is worth it if the person is doing a job that you can just, like, do one last listen through and then throw it up on the site. That's great. But too many things, because I wasn't, you know, I, I, too many times I'd get it back and I'd have to listen through it and fix things because I'd hear things they didn't. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's it's always a problem. I mean, see, that's the same problem with the website and the same problem with audio drama. Why do you do it all yourself? Because I can't really trust anybody else. To. Well, that's part of it, but you can't trust them. First off, you can't trust them to do what you want them to do when you the way you want them to do it. But sometimes, I mean, on the other end of it, you can't always even trust them to do it at all. And that is why you end up doing it yourself. Or if you can trust them to do it, they're not going to do it on your schedule. Now, you've been a director and a producer. You've worked with actors both in person, directing them while they're standing in front of you. And you've also done a lot of satellite recording with them where they'll record something and send it in to you. Okay. Um, Now, satellite recording, which you've already explained, that's when someone else records locally and they send it to whoever is in charge of the project. Can you describe the strengths and weaknesses of both of these approaches? Well, I mean, obviously having somebody in studio gives you a lot more control over the performance. Obviously, one, uh, I mean, if someone's in, you know, work, if, if you have a studio that you're bringing people into, that requires them to show up at the studio at a particular time, right? And if you want multiple people in the studio at the same time, they all have to commit to be there at the same time right that isn't always easy that is not always easy to get people to do especially if they're not getting paid right right well Uh, and so working in a satellite situation one of the huge benefits of that is being able to work with actors from all over the world mm -hmm. i mean if i want to do something where it's you know all british characters and i actually know all british actors that i can tap for that why not yes especially with the workflow that you had going on at that time, they had on their end, they had the time to produce their stuff and get it in. And you didn't need to coordinate all these people getting to your, you know, your studio at a particular time. You know, how do I get here? When are you showing up? Oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it. And the entire recording thing is shot. Now then, wrapping this all into one thing. A lot of audiobooks these days, especially big epic audiobooks with tons and tons of characters, they have multicast audiobooks. Okay, and with multiple actors playing, char- taking on character voices. And then you have the narrator, who's a separate character, essentially. That is like one step away from audio drama. All right? That's only, well, maybe two behind steps. Behind midnight. Maybe two steps away, all right, from audio drama. But mm-hmm. those things are popular. They're big. And there are people that they prefer that kind of audiobook, right? I've, I've, I've spoken to many people that say, oh, it was multiple cast and it was great and it's, it sounded awesome. 
and it's just like it's it's like a hair away from what you and I would consider audio drama. Yet none of the major producers of this kind of content have gone in that direction. Why do you think that is? I think well doing the books straight is safe. I mean, because it's it's the book, and the book already has an audience. Because you don't see them making those books out of something that didn't already wasn't already a ginormous bestseller with a movie contract. But but taking it all the way into an audio drama is something else, you know. I mean, their their idea would be if we have to get somebody to adapt that, why don't we just make another movie? Except that it costs a fraction of a film, a fraction, oh, yeah, a tiniest tiniest fraction of the film. Yet it could make millions if it was popular it could make millions of dollars over the you know problem the other problem that with that then is the same problem that you see everywhere with anything electronic which is bootlegging well you know i'm not convinced that that's an issue though i uh, I really am not you know it doesn't matter whether there's really an issue with bootlegging what matters is whether there's a perception of an issue with bootlegging oh yeah and so the re- one of the reasons that some of these people aren't stepping into something like audio drama is it's something that's way too easy that once you put it out, you know, it gets away from you. But they don't have control over They're it. already doing the audio book versions, right? And yeah. do you think it's because there's a lower barrier to entry on that? That it's, e- that it's easier or, for them? Or... or it could be that there's a just a perception of audio drama as being a dead art. There. Okay, there it is. Do you think that can be changed? I think it would take somebody big name to do it. I mean, even Stephen King has had audio dramas done and still hasn't broken that. So it would have to be somebody really big to suddenly pull out an audio drama that made anybody who didn't listen to NPR stand up and take listen. See, I'm not... I don't necessarily believe that it is. it would require a personality. I think it would require very, very easy access and very, very easy consumption on the part of the consumer, right? Yeah. They would need to be able to get their audio drama as easily, be able to find it and be able to discern what it is as easily as they can with any other podcast. And already now we can say well it already is i mean there's all this content that you've produced some of the stuff i've done some of the stuff that all these other people have done it's so easy to find it is not easy to find and it is very very hard to sell that stuff to people when they've never ever heard of it before you know right yeah it's Um, an awareness thing as much as anything else but that's why a big name somebody who could actually get the attention of media mm -hmm. could make a difference or not okay Okay. Fair you know, fair and you know, it's 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 also sort of the you know redheaded stepchild. You go to iTunes, you search for audio drama, it's hit or miss what you find because it's not a category. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not a category there. It's not a category anywhere. Yeah. And yeah. you know, at best you're you're like when you go there and you're like, oh, I don't know, what am I, entertainment or fiction? I don't know. Am, am I dramatic arts? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's no clear place for it to be where it can be found. Like you said, it's just not being found. And that's, I think it's because there's no perceived market for it. So there's no industry around it. You yeah. Know? And it's, it's really all of that funny, can be changed. All of that, all of it, you know, all yeah. of that is absolutely fixable. But only what it needs if, is a giant marketing campaign. It needs money. It needs yeah. money. You know, um... Let's start a Kickstarter. No, I'm kidding. Well, 
I'm not going that far just yet, but let me ask you this. Okay, <laughs> let me ask you this. All right. Considering the technology that's available today, home studios and video careers are becoming more and more common. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of people not just doing audiobooks, they're doing tons of VO work at home. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're starting. These are not necessarily seasoned pros. These are people just getting into it. Do you think that it would be a viable way forward for a quote unquote professional, that is people making money, audio drama production company to come to pass using that satellite type of technology today that's available today? Very, very high quality stuff that can be done because you can actually say you're the director, right? You can actually direct them live as they're doing their lines. Oh yeah, you could get on Skype or something. Well, they have they have these all-in-one solutions now that are very very good, and um, that you know you're on one line going in and you hear them and they can hear you back and forth as you're going. It's all done very seamlessly, you know, and it's not ISDN, which is you know ridiculously expensive. It's you know there are software solutions to it now, right? Um, and it's a growing segment of the VO industry. Uh-huh. Do you think, at least in theory, do you think that would be a viable choice for a for-profit company? I think that part of it is not going to be the part you need to worry about for a for-profit company. Okay. I think the platform and the way it's sold or distributed is where is where the the is where the the money is going to be. Okay. And and for that, I mean, I've always I've held for a while that if somebody could create a platform that could support all these different audio dramas, mm-hmm. you know, and anybody could contribute. And, you know, the, the platform itself, you'd, you'd either get a subscription or uh, credits, and each show would be designated as zero credits or one credit or ten credits or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that would allow you to download. Um, anyway, ultimately, what I'd love to do is, is find some way to – because what I feel – would be the best way to monetize something like what I was doing would be to have micro cost would be like a credit is a quarter okay, and sell an episode for a quarter because if people were paying a quarter for it, they would pay it. Okay. The Nobody thing is though, you can't adequately bill anybody for an amount that small. I mean, a platform where they can pay, you know, they can buy $10 worth of credits. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then use them over time to buy whatever they want to to, to distribute that amongst. Okay. I mean, because because micro payments, I think, because you make it up in bulk, and because then nobody basically. I mean, even up to a dollar, but once you hit a dollar, people are starting to see it as like food. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, oh, that's a candy bar. Mm. Well, you know, it depends on the content, though. You know, it really does depend on the content. I mean, you know, some of these people that are used to buying apps. For you know their iPhone and stuff like that, they think nothing of dropping five dollars on something they may or, they they don't even know what it is that you know they might yes say, yes but but you know it's it's and some things that would work for but other things you know if, if you can get I would rather have a hundred thousand downloads at fifty cents than five thousand downloads at a dollar. Oh, I agree. You I know? agree. Yeah, I I believe that it's you know it's definitely. A volume business. It would have to be a volume business, and it would have to be yeah. very, very low cost to the consumer. And, and that's why, and that's why you you'd have to have a platform because then you could conglomerate all the different groups who wanted to participate. Yeah, yeah. And but because no, none of the groups would have to be the accountant. Mm-hmm. Would have to have the the funding and stuff. 
it would the platform would do that. The platform would pay everybody their royalties every month, and they wouldn't have to think about that part of it. Well, that's assuming though you're you're talking. I mean, you're what you're what you're talking about is is essentially a a supermarket where you can go in and get every kind of audio drama you can imagine. You're going to find it here, you know, or yeah. audio dramatic audio media. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, you're going to find it here. On a smaller scale, uh, like say a an audio theater company, that would have to take a very different approach, right? Because it's not a supermarket. You, they're only going to be, you know, offering what they do, right? So now you're talking like a boutique store of some kind. That would take a very different approach, and it all, I guess, it all real. I, I I'm not sure I even have a question here, but I think <laughs> what I'm saying is that. I think there are viable business models that can be either emulated or adapted to this product line, and they're not being done, and I don't understand why. The the reason why is that the person producing it is an enthusiast, not a business person. I mean, one of the reasons I never did is I didn't want to be a business person. I didn't want to be the accountant, because whoever's producing it wants to produce shows, they don't want to do that part. Just well, like I didn't want to do the website and I didn't I didn't want to be the webmaster and I didn't want to I wanted to just produce shows. Of course you did. But if the money was coming in, you'd have made an effort, wouldn't you? Cuz I sure as hell would. You know? Well, but see, that's the thing about I think this platform idea would work because that removes all of the daily in and out of money from I mean and the platform obviously would have to have operating costs come out of it. Because that takes a chunk off of the shoulders of the producer person mm-hmm. so that they're just seeing money come in for X amount of shows and you get a breakdown and whatever. And it's royalties, you know, or whatever. And they don't have to necessarily handle all of that, all the minutia of that themselves because that's part of the intimidating part. I mean, unless you're a group and somebody in your group has business skills not everybody wants to learn business skills. No, of just course. so that they can have a business model and make it work. No, of course not. But assuming you had starting costs covered, right? Mm. Part part of those costs can be siphoned off to a third party who is an accountant. That's all they do, right? Mm. And there's a lot of online accountants now, like people doing it out of their home, just like you would be doing, you know? Yeah. Um I mean, I'm not saying that that's I'm not saying that that's the answer. I'm just saying that there are options out there that I think are not being approached. Oh, no, I, I, and I, I don't. Just, I just, I'm just telling you why I see it not happening because yeah, yeah. It's it's just like when I did a stint in burlesque years ago. Mm-hmm. We put on good shows, but we had no audience because we had nobody who could do marketing. If all you have is actors, you don't have a business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, micropayments aren't going to happen unless they're on a big scale. No, of course not. But you're not going to have a platform without a market, right? You're not going to have a platform without an industry, right? right. Because no one is going to put however much money it would cost to build a market of some sort or to build a, to build a platform to, to become the, you know, the iTunes of, you know, the Amazon of audio drama, whatever you want to, you know, whatever, you know, you mm-hmm. can call it. No one's going to put that kind of money in there unless they think they can make money out of it, right? And you're certainly not going to get any seed money from anybody unless they think they can turn around and sell it for millions and millions of dollars in about three years, right? <laughs> to Amazon. <laughs> you know, to Amazon or – yeah, probably Amazon. 
And they're just never going to go in that direction unless they see a market. So how do you build a market? That's the question. I guess ultimately that's the question I have. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, and no one's got the answer, and I don't know why. I don't know why because the content is fantastic, or a lot of it is. A lot of it's shit, but a lot of it's fantastic. The great thing about audio drama, being able to do audio drama so easily on the computer, is the same great thing about being able to publish for the Kindle. It means anybody can make audio drama or publish for the Kindle. And the horrible thing about it is that anybody can make audio drama or publish for the Kindle. Of course. That's true of music, though. And people still have music careers. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. it's, It's, yeah, I mean, if somebody could establish an audience enough to get yeah something i don't know you and i could talk for an hour about the fabulous oh, yeah. shows out there that should be making money and they're not these are people that are working really hard or have worked in the past really really hard and maybe walked away from it because they couldn't afford to keep doing it yeah that's always possible well anyway that on that wonderful happy note um <laughs> I want to thank you, Julie, so much for taking the time out to chat about this, that, and everything. And um, to uh, speculate on the future, or lack thereof, of audio drama with me today. Thank you. Earlier, I said I approached Julie with a particular agenda. But in point of fact, our conversation ranged all over the place, and I had a mighty challenge trimming it for time and clarity. We didn't often remain on topic, actually, but I think we did cover the area I was most curious about, not that we came to any conclusions. Please add your own comments, though, over on HackerPublicRadio.org. I'd be very interested in your thoughts on this topic, since I'm still wrestling with my own. You can also contact me directly at lostinbronx at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-N-B-R-O-N-X at gmail. I want to thank my guest, the always excellent Julie Hoverson, for her time and her insight. Please check out her content at 19nocturne.libson.com. That's 19 spelled out, not the, uh, not the numerals. Check the show notes for links. That'd be easier. I also want to thank you, dear listener, for joining me today. If I'm not always edifying or entertaining, at least I'm making noise. This has been Lost in Bronx. Take care. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.